Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him, and I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I., so yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam Ashi. We, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then out steps like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm like deer right there. Yeah, like, and he's 30 already yards. thirty yards. Yeah, he he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at one forty in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yard shot. Sent the combat veteran, and I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass Comey one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. I sound just like the intro when I say that. <laughs> Coming in your ear holes. <laughs> I, was saying, I wonder if this is the Whitetail yeah, Legacy is this, Podcast. Yeah, what, what podcast are we listening to right now? They just said it three times. <laughs> All right, guys, we have Heath Cisco on. This is, like I said, I want to grow up to be Heath Cisco. When yeah, I, you know, exactly. Guy is solid, killing big deer every year. Can self-film deer hunts. Yeah, humble. <laughs> Full of tactics, full of knowledge, understands that people can get it done multiple different ways. His way isn't the only way. Right. Um, we cover targeting the 
exact buck you want to kill during the rut, which is not people don't talk about that. No, people talk about killing a buck in the rut, but if you want to kill a certain buck, the rut isn't the time to do it. Mm -hmm. We break down how to do that in this episode, what you need to do through all the stages pre rut in October, going into the rut, middle of the rut, post rut. We're breaking down every area and how you can stage up on these deer and uh and try to kill a certain buck during the rut so let's get the people make this possible we'll get into the show start out with a veteran broadhead um if you guys haven't seen on social red arrow is shooting the two blade uh, veteran and the combat veteran this year and uh he's he's loving them um we've seen multiple posts he's out there shooting them and he's going to give them a shot this year and he's been putting down a lot of deer with them so pretty cool to see a uh, a guy f- uh, you know, a bigger guy in the industry finally finding these broadheads and seeing how solid about them. We've been talking about That's them for two cool. years, you know right. what I mean, how solid they are. And another guy is finally figuring it out and putting putting some abs. He kills it, an asshole to do, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? So, so do you have the VIP shout-out? Yeah, this week's shout-out is going to be uh, Colin DeLautry. And uh, Colin is currently serving in the Air Force, active duty, and is stationed in Texas. Colin is also a military cop. And he plans on being a civilian cop in his home state of Pennsylvania after he served his time. So, Colin, uh, we can't appreciate your service here, serving the Air Force, and um, also for your vision of serving back in your home state of Pennsylvania when you get out. Um, that is just absolute dedication in my mind. And, um, you know, that just can't go unnoticed. So we, Yeah, it's we, a tough time to be a cop right now. So. Exactly. I'm going to say it's Shout just out to all the cops out there. Um, you know, along with the military guys and then a guy going from the military to a police officer, um, just going from a serving career for us to another serving career for other people in your community and a pretty, pretty honorable trait. I know there's a lot of controversy about that, but I think it's a very honorable trade to want to take down the bad guy and help out the good guy. Absolutely. So be able to check out Ridge Rays Outdoors on Instagram and, uh, be able to follow them. ECW calls all your custom call needs right there in Roseville, Illinois. EmbryWoodworking.com. You got Exodus this week? Yeah, this week, uh, want to hit the Trek Tro Cam. Uh, you guys might look at this as their low end budget Tro Camera. It's my favorite. And it is. It. I mean, it is, you know, their lower end budget Tro Cam, but it's, it's up for all of the duty that you need it to do. So we have one trek on three-shot burst, and then we also have one trek on video mode. Nothing short of what it's capable of doing. So there's no reason not to shy away from purchasing this cam. You still get the five-year no BS warranty. You still get all of the luxury of picture mode. You still get all of the luxury of video mode. Excellent pictures, too. I, I like the Trex pictures. Probably the best let, out of their line. Let me let you in on a little secret here. This is where we got Magnum. Yeah, we got Magnum, Magnum on, a, on Trek. a Trek. Yeah, we got Magnum on the budget. <laughs> on a Trek. Budget two camp. times. Yeah, two times. The two-time. Two-timer. The two-time. <laughs> the two-time champion. We got lift 2s. We got Brenders close. Yeah. Sip. Right on the Trek. Right on the Trek. Crisp. Crispy. So, guys, you know, don't shy away from that. It's capable of hitting that video mode. Um, 
if if you're running Apple products, you might need to switch a little bit if you're running the video mode to be able to view your videos for the AVI file. But other than that, you guys are going to just, you know, be in love with the Trek. So don't be afraid to get in there for the budget cam of the Exodus lineup and get into it. Five-year no BS warranty. You cannot beat that. All right, this week for Next Level, uh, if you want to become a dealer, it's easier than you would think. The majority of the Next Level dealers are what they call a garage dealer. Affordable bulk shipping, and then you can custom build your orders to fit demand. Um, if you're interested, in it, you just have to message them on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or send them an email at info at nextleveldeer.com. And don't forget, that's nxtleveldeer.com. We know a few people that are dealers, and pretty simple man, and um, it helps the company out, and then it also helps you make a little side money becoming a dealer also. I would say there's a, pl- a plethora of guys making it work. Yeah, um, and these guys are super laid back. You're not only going to be able to get a little side gig, you're also going to be able to make a couple of real solid friends from Nebraska, you know what I mean? And um, that probably right there would be worth it for me. Probably still looking for a couple guys in Ohio. If if we could bait in Illinois, I'd be a dealer right now. Oh, I'd be smoking the feed. Yeah. You got uh, Last Breath TV? Yeah, I just want to shout out, um, you know, these guys are putting out live videos on Wednesday, a Throwback Thursday video. Their new season on Saturday, podcast on Monday. But, guys, the real stuff's going down in the DMs. Garrett and Jeff, and uh, I believe Jeff's brother Chris, have went out west and have been successful on some elk. And I'm not just talking like any regular elk. Like I'm talking like some stud elk. So uh, get ready for that to be coming down the pipe and... Yeah, I'm super excited for that. Those guys, Garrett said he ain't showered in six days. <laughs> yeah, like it's backcountry as hell. Yeah. Out straight there, up like what I would want to go on. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like straight out there roughing grind. the yeah, hell out of it. Roughing it, man. So shout out to them, and I am I cannot wait. I know how excited Garrett was and how much passion he had going into this hunt. So seeing him be successful was it made my day today. It I could absolutely... just tell by his post, even though he's, you know, out there roughing it. Yeah. Limited service about what he's got going on. Yeah. Grant's the relay man. He's just living in the moment. He's still right now. just, you know, high as hell out there. Yeah, he should be. I mean, ep- epic, absolutely epic. You guys would be able to watch that come out on their YouTube. Um, couple solid elk it just by a couple working class just dudes going out there. You know I mean? Just absolutely awesome. So. Ingram's Outdoor Obsession, all your taxidermy needs right there in Oneida, Illinois. All the local guys, um, just get give you a heads up. He's given up his deer season, most of his deer season to mount deer. Um, this guy's into the game. He's passionate about it, and he wants to put out a good product. Dude's a super passionate deer hunter, bow hunter, and he's given up a season to be able to mount more deer. So yeah. hey. that says a lot right there. All right, let's get into the show. All right, guys, we got a returning guest, one of our favorite guys we've met from podcasts, and we got Heath Sisko on tonight. How are you doing tonight, man? Good. How are you guys doing? I appreciate you having me on. We're doing great, man. Huge thanks for you coming back on um, your episode from way – I don't know what number was it. It was I way back there. I want to say like there. 48. Yeah, it was way back <laughs> there, and, and you came on kind of, you know, when we were small, didn't have a lot of followers, and uh, and you put on a hell of a show. 
we still have people message us about that podcast. So if you haven't um, listened to that episode, go back after this and listen to that one because uh, a lot of good knowledge. That was a incredible year. It's a lot of ups and downs that we talked about in that year. And uh, then you back that up with last year, which is super incredible. You know what I mean? And uh, no telling what you got up your sleeve this year. So I know you got something going over there, but uh, um, we just appreciate you coming on. Well, I, I appreciate you having me. And, uh, you know, a new year, it's a new adventure and a new target box. So uh, it's exciting. Yeah, definitely exciting um, this time of year. Everybody's getting real jacked up. Rut's coming. <laughs> Every, you know, this is, I feel like, even the people that aren't really into hunting at work start talking about hunting a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the guy that doesn't hunt at all is showing me trail cam pics that some dude showed him. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just like that time of year yeah. where people are thinking about deer, you know what I mean? So, um, I know that's I literally... Am- Go ahead. I can't imagine going into a, I can't imagine going into a fall and not with the leaves falling and not wanting to get into a tree. Yeah, I have no I idea. We were just, I, I don't know what people are thinking when they they don't hunt. It's just uh, the beauty of nature, the animals, uh, the anticipation. I mean, it's just everything you could ask for. Or I mean, even if you're just you know a gun hunter and you truly love the gun hunting aspect of it, that's fine. But just like you said, the everything's turning everything's getting geared up for the deer to be really getting up and going all you got to do is grab a bow and go you yeah, know what i mean just like, get out there, that's all man. you got to do just yeah. get to get out there yes and you know nowadays with social media and so many people uh podcasts so many people hunting and stuff uh everybody's got all this pressure to kill a good deer or a deer uh at times you just got to stop and sit back and uh watch the squirrels watch the birds and just watch the leaves falling and just enjoy uh, God's beauty, and uh, and if you get a buck, great. Uh, but you know, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Yeah, my first sit this year, I went out, uh, opened up here on a Thursday, didn't see one deer, but I had a hell of a hunt. Just yeah. out there, you know, back in a tree, got to hang my stand again, out there actually with a bow instead of trail cameras and batteries, you know, like all summer. <laughs> but just out there with a bow, you know, and I was actually hunting, and not a lot of excitement, but just to be sitting there and just be like, you know. I'm out here. But first walk in, I was walking in with you. I'm like, we're about to go in and actually hunt right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, we're not going in. Like, we're actually, I'm like, we're actually going to have to be be quiet. We're going in to hunt. (laughs) Most of the time we're talking to each other like, oh, look at this. Look at that over here. You know, I'm like, we're actually about to go in here and kill. But um, that's, that is for this year. I have never had as much fun preseason as I had already I, I want to kill, but the stress is there. I feel like every set that we have had has been strategic, and I felt like we could go in there and literally get it done every time. Yeah. That's how, like, well, that's great. strategic, you know, we're planning this buck, blah, blah, blah. We're making, like, a full proof plan, you know what I mean? And a lot of times we're just going in like, wow, we'll just hunt here. This year has been different. Yeah. We've been teaming up, really going through it, and every when you go in every hunt, you're like, Man, I got this is like a nine out of ten. You know, what <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, it adds uh, a different aspect you, you've to won, it. Yeah, you've won half the battle there because you're going in with confidence. Uh, if you go in and not and, and think you're not going to have any luck, then you're not going to have any luck. If you go in with confidence, you're on point. You're sharper. Uh, you'll take into considerations more things, and I think you're going to have more opportunities. So, yeah, I mean that's that's what we think too. When you go in and. And like he's, homie said, it brings that aspect of there's nothing worse than sitting there. Man, I picked the wrong tree. You're, man, this ain't gonna be a good hunt. 
it's hunting. You literally never know. A deer could get bumped by a combine. A deer could do this, do that. Stuff could happen. You know what I mean? It's yes. You gotta you gotta yeah. kill them while you're out there. You know what I mean? So that's sure. that's it, the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's a process. You know, it starts beginning of October, and then Ohio, like I said, it doesn't end until uh, the beginning of February. So it's a process. So don't get yourself all wound around, well, i got to kill one in October. i got to kill one in November. You know, I kill a lot of my bucks in December and January. Uh, but you got to stay after it and uh, remain confident and keep stick to your plan. And, uh, and then if it isn't working out, just, you know, start over, you know, re-scout, re-hang, re-hunt, and go with your instincts. Yeah, if every buck could be as beautiful as that hunt that you had in the snow last yeah. year, I think you should kill all your deer that late. <laughs> I know it's brutal probably on you, but, man, that hunt was awesome. That much snow, the buck, just the encounter, I, absolutely beautiful. You know what I mean? I think some of my friends are calling me Iceman because I've killed numerous bucks in the snow. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, usually when the snow comes on, it has to do with the weather front stuff. I love hunting around weather fronts, uh, and I love hunting in the snow. So I don't know if I hunt more in the snow or it's just, that's just how it's worked out for them. But it's usually just, around weather fronts and last year's was uh, on a big weather front that come through and had them deer on their feet just a little longer in the morning. And I was able to capitalize. Got that extra horseshoe in the pocket when the snow was on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's yeah. like, all right, about to kill. Snow's coming in two days. <laughs> <laughs> Got the lucky snowflake. Yeah. All right. Well, we, you know, it's the time of year. Um, it's the pre-rut rut. You know, it's going to be here anytime and we're, you know, your passion is targeting one buck and trying to get it done all, you know, on that deer throughout the whole year. And I feel like the rut is the hardest time to do that. So I know there's a listeners out there, including us, who are trying to target this one deer, you know what I mean? And a lot of people say, if you don't kill them before the rut, there ain't a, there ain't a chance in hell it's going to happen. You know what I mean? So I wanted to sure. break down, you know, you're targeting one buck. You know, you've been on them October, and now it's the rut. W- start from the beginning. What are you going to do to make yourself be successful in the rut? Gotcha. And did you want to start out on hunting the last couple weeks of October into November, or just start out November 1 and go forward? I think it seems like for us about the 27th, 26th, mm-hmm. we start seeing some chasing. I really consider that to be, you know, I know it's pre-rut, but it's 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 getting there, and I know that we lose a lot of bucks and gain a lot of bucks from the 28th to the 1st. That seems like the big, okay, these are gone and these are coming in, in our area. You know what I mean? So go ahead and start that late October and and roll right into November. So so my process on how I hunt changes, let's start around the 25th. It changes, you know, it's different from the 25th to around the 1st. Uh, I do one thing, and then usually around the 4th or 5th, uh, to probably the 10th, I do another. And then from the, I don't know, probably around the 13th or 14th till, uh, the 17th or 18th, it's different. And then from thereafter to Thanksgiving is completely different. So we'll break down the first part. So the last week of, uh, October, the last week of October, you know, in my opinion, these deer are just ready to explode. And some old does have actually come in the heat and, uh, you know, they may be attending some does uh, a little bit or, and if they are, if there is a doe that comes in the heat, then the whole woods is going to be exploded. There are going to be bucks running everywhere. It's going to be pretty uh, crazy. But I like hunting scrapes right up around scrapes, scrapes areas, uh, you know, the last week of October because we're really going to be active. 
I switch all my cameras over to scrapes around the 15th of October. That way I can pattern them a little bit more and locate, hopefully, the target buck I'm after. And by scouting and running cameras, I should have a pretty good idea on where this thing's bedded, at least a general area. And so the last week of October, I'm going to hunt the outskirts of that bed, and I'm going to keep pushing in on it. And if it's not working for me, like last year in my Illinois hunt, uh, it wasn't working. Uh, my buddy had hunted this buck, and it was coming out in this field. But I knew at any point in time, you know, around the 30th, 31st, 1st of November, that he's going to be getting on a doe and heading out across the country or being locked down in a ditch. So I went for it. I jumped in uh, on a bed. I went in and scouted. Uh, found a, found his particular bed. You know, there was two or three of them right there, but it was in the same general vicinity. And I jumped in on that bed and caught him coming back after a big snowstorm into his bed and shot him. So that's what I'm going to try to do every year. If I can pinpoint that buck's bed, I'll hunt the outskirts the last week of October, and then I'll jump in and hunt a the bed that I think he's at, or if I've pushed him, actually visually seeing him come out of that bed, then I'll jump right on top of that bed because I want to try to take one or two good shots before he completely gets squirrely and is who knows where because he's over here looking for this group of does or over there. Now, a particular buck, hopefully I've got a past history with him. I've known him for a couple years, and now he's at the caliber that I want to kill, or he has been the last two years, let's say, and I just haven't been able to kill him. So from running cameras, from past experiences, I kind of know where, you know, if he's not on my farm till the last a couple of days of October, well, then I'll kind of hang back and not hunt that farm as much, just kind of monitoring cameras and move in when he moves in. Because sometimes they move in to these farms at certain time periods, just for certain groups of does. So I like sitting back on those particular occasions and jumping in right when he shows up instead of polluting the area when he's not in there. And then getting up into the first week of November you know, run off your past experience with trail cameras. Okay, I, I got a picture of him here last year. He was cutting through this ditch funnel or whatever on November the 4th. Well, you know, I like, I'm going to kind of go back to that area around November the 4th and kind of, you know, I'll probably hunt that ditch funnel or I'll hunt stands in that general area. Because a lot of times these big bucks, there's certain does that they key in on and they know will come in early every year. So, I try to hunt those different doe groups and catch them bucks coming in there to those does. And, and, and you know, it, each farm's different. Each buck is kind of different. But in my experience, uh, you know, you get into the first week of November, you start hunting doe groups and travel corridors in between. And, uh, and, and then, you know, the rut areas where these bucks are at, where they leave a lot of sign. And then as you move on into November, uh, you get around the 6th or 7th. I mean, in my opinion, that's probably the best couple days. 6th six, six through the 9th is probably the best days for November hunting because it seems like a lot more does are just starting to come in and the bucks are still going crazy uh, looking for them. There's no real hardcore pattern, but uh, they're more active. And when they're more active, you got more opportunity because they're moving more in daylight. And then as you move on into that a little bit farther, uh, to the 10th or so when they start getting into lockdown or whatever, a lot of people get frustrated because they go and not see a lot of deer. You know, there's times on stand to where you, you got to have confidence in your spot and you set up hunting the edge of these doe bedding areas or travel corridors in between. And it's just a, a waiting game 
Uh, you set back, and uh, you know sooner or later he's going to be through there, and you just got to be patient and hunt those spots. So um, we can keep going on, you know, after you know, a buck that I was on several years ago. I knew that he traveled into this area, uh, but he wasn't in there very the, – the farm I had access on to hunt, he didn't cross over in – he wasn't over in there a lot. That didn't where he stayed. But he, but he visited in the past year, past year or two on that farm to hook up with those. So I knew that I had to spend every last minute on stand in that area. So when he traversed through that area again, looking for him does, I knew where I could kill him, but I had to be there. And, and that's how it worked out. You know, I hunted and hunted and hunted few and far between deer. And then the day it happened, he comes strolling through. And I truly believe that that was the first time that he was on that piece of property uh, that particular the year looking for does like he had been previous. Are you going off of, um, you know, your trail cameras more? Are you going off of your, um, your actual hunting encounters or are you going off of like the, uh, the DNR, um, website to see when the actual peak breeding is or, or what they're calling the peak breeding. So you kind of know when that lockdown phase is going to be happening. So you're hunting either before or after that for, you know, maximum so it, efficiency? That That's a good question. Uh, so if I'm hunting a particular buck, hopefully I've got, like I said earlier, I hope I have history of it before. So I'm going off of that history of either trail camera uh, photos or uh, previous sightings of a buck. You know, if I was in that area hunting, maybe I was targeted him for the last two years. And if that's the case, I've got a lot more intel on what's going on. But <clears throat> no matter what happens, uh, weather, uh, you know, a moon phase will show whether will show more. It depends on what moon phase it is. It'll show more daylight activity during the actual rut, or it'll suppress the daytime activity. In my opinion, like this year uh, coming in, you know, the full moon's like around the first of November, so the dark of the moon's going to be around the 14th or something like that. So, so around the seventh through the ninth, where I said most of the peak rut activity is, it'll probably be suppressed during daylight movement, but if we have different weather fronts coming through that time period, you know, we'll probably get to see a lot more of that activity than what it would normally be if it was just a flat stagnant weather period. But every year it's always the same. The last week of October, the bucks are getting fired up, you know, they're moving and being a lot more active. You get into the first or second, they're still real active. And I don't know why, but there's a dead period, at least that I found from around the second to around the fifth. And I don't know what it is. Just when it looks like it's about ready to get completely crazy, the woods go dead. And all I see is these little things running around. And the mature bucks, it's like, I'm thinking, did I miss it? Are they locked down? And this is from years of experience. And then around the 6th, it starts ramping up again. And 7th and 8th and ninth, it seems like it's really hot and heavy. Get into the 10th, and then all of a sudden it starts dying back out again. I start seeing... uh, smaller bucks again and usually that's because around the 12 13 you know they start locking down with those they're out in the middle of a, a you know a field in a ditch uh they're up next to a house uh you know it gets pretty tough but you can it, the hunting can be great then and you could kill really good bucks but you know it's few and far between you may sit there all day long and that buck is in between does at noon and he comes strolling through so a time on stand during the rut is in my opinion is the most important thing you have to maximize your time on stand during the rut 
because it can happen at any minute. And the more time you're in the stand, you shouldn't be, you know, I like hunting uh, one to two days all day long. And then I'll break it up. Maybe I'll sleep in the morning and not go out till 830. Maybe I'll get up and go in that morning and then I'll come back at nine o'clock in the morning, maybe take me a rest a little bit or whatever, and then go back out at, you know, 11 or 12. Just mix it up a little bit and don't burn yourself out because uh, you got to be out there as much as you can, but you don't want to burn yourself out to where you just don't even want to go. Because yeah. I've tried, I've hunted, I've hunted four or five days, six days in a row all day on stand and it's it's uh it's tough yeah it's brutal we're uh we are going to try for a 15 day all day hunt this year we saved every day of vacation for the rut (laughs) we're gonna see we we are in the best shape we've been ever we've been training for Uh this it's like the olympics and we got to go through 15 days of hell and hopefully we drag out 400 inches of bone <laughs> at least but, uh, I hope so yeah we uh we're gonna we're gonna do i don't know if we'll do all day sets but there might be some getting down and moving for early to late you know what i mean um but uh sure. we are gonna be in the woods for every bit of that um we've been preparing our wives all year doing all the doing all the work to let them know gotcha. it's, it's time to go for 15 days. You ain't going to see me, but dark and dark. Well, <laughs> and probably not in the morning because right, your ass is sleeping. One of the things that I like doing uh, during the rut to break it up a little bit, and I've had better uh, you know, success doing it that way, is I get into my stand early. I'll hunt a, uh, a doe bedding area or in between doe bedding areas in the morning up until around 1230, around 1 o'clock what i like to do and i like to say hey i'm not moving until one o'clock then at around one o'clock i i get down and i slip still hunt around to a uh, evening food source or close to an evening food source and that way i get i get all the action coming back into the bedding then i catch the action through you know 11 to 12 to one o'clock going back and forth between the beds and then i slip around and come in to the food source and then I catch all the action coming back out to the food because what I found is hunting one stand from daylight to dark uh, for one it's tough because it wears on your mind for two you catch all that action in the morning and some of the action up to midday but in the evening all that action is going away from you so I've had great hunts up till 12 o'clock but then the rest of the evening it's just like it was nothing like no deer, they're all going away from me. So if you if you can change up during the midday to get ahead of that movement again, it seems like it works out really good for me at least. What if you had a slow morning? Would you automatically be decisive on moving for the afternoon, or um, just kind of depend on the on the scenario? It, it depends on the scenario and your setup. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of times you do have slow mornings, but man alive. Uh, I've had slow mornings and it start picking up at 1030 and then have uh, a good movement from 1030 to let's say 1130 and then it start dying out again. We've seen uh, that it, too. It, it just, seems like there, we were seeing really good movement and then like 930 when everybody's packing up, yeah. we'd see a uh-huh. burst for about an hour and a half yep. and then nothing. And then it seems like we always catch like a couple midday. A random 130 buck. 130, 1230 buck, you know yeah. what I mean? And then, yep. and then the evening, we got a couple of stands where 
it's just set up where there's ag close and does literally can bed anywhere. You they just you never know where they're going to bed, so it's it's tough to. But we have good mm-hmm. action there morning and evening. We have other spots that you can't get into in the morning at all, and we have other spots uh-huh. that if you sit there in the evening, you're not going to see a deer. You know what I mean? So yeah, it just absolutely not. It, all depends, like you said, on the area, what you got around you. If you can have a spot that's got bedding and ag really close and you know they're bedding really close, um, we're, I don't know how many times I said downwind of doe bedding on this podcast. But <laughs> I, that's, I mean, that's just the, where the money is for us for encounters with yes. big deer. You know what I mean? With big deer. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's not out on the food source where no. <laughs> you see it on TV. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the doe drug them yes. to the food source. You know what I mean? And uh, I feel like uh-huh. that's what a lot of people are hunting in the evening. They're hunting on the food source. We are hunting downwind of doe bedding all the time. And that's where we see the gotcha. biggest bucks. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and this one. Every scenario is different. Yeah, this couple of stands that we're talking about, they're both downwind of doe bedding. So we'll sit there all day. And I don't know how many times we've said on here that second cycle has yeah. been literally the best, if not, you know, better than the first. Yeah. Doing that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, you know, the whole, the rut's about a doe. I mean, the bucks are wanting the does. Hunt the does. And then, you know, you hunt these doe bedding areas, be observant. Uh, if you see action out there 50 yards, then you need to move to that action. Uh, you know, you got to, you got to, you still have to tweak your spots and move a little bit. It changes a little bit, uh, depending on, uh, you know, a fallen tree or just, uh, where they're bedding at and stuff. So, uh, you got to be you got to be mobile when needed. Uh, you just don't want to park in one spot. Uh, you know, I've I, the way I hunt the rut. I mean, and you know, the rut to me is a love hate relationship. I love the last week of October. I love it when I know where that buck's kind of staying at during the rut. You know, he could be on the neighbor's farm for a day or two, or maybe two, you know, a week. And that's why you got to be patient and uh, and be on stand as much as possible and and remain confident. Uh, I've hunted uh, numerous times where I thought this is this buck just isn't here, and then you know I may get up and poke around a little bit and jump the stinking thing, and he was just over over the hill, uh, locked down with a dove. But uh, you know, a good friend of mine who he doesn't like hunting the rut either. But what he'll do during the rut is, uh, you know, he'll hunt, and if he quits seeing action or whatever, he'll just get up and start poking around on his farm until he gets into the action. And, you know, a lot of times you'll you'll see multiple bucks in a certain area. And when you see multiple bucks in a certain area like that, you know, they're usually in there locked down with a doe. And what he does is he throws a stand up immediately and starts hunting. And usually that buck is with a particular doe. So he'll follow that doe out to the feeding area or whatever in, in that night. And then the next morning he'll he'll follow the same doe back into her bedding area. And he's already sitting there waiting on her because that's where he jumped her the day before. So he's been very successful doing that. That was one thing I was wanting to ask is, you know, we've talked to Byron Horton, you know, yes, a lot. And uh, he's really big on scouting. Um, this year we're, we're taking kind of some of his tactics of scouting in season and taking kind of that approach, being more aggressive. And um, I, I was going to ask you, you know, are are you putting a lot of emphasis on scouting in season, or are you just kind of just like you said hunting, and then making a movement on the action that you've seen? So both uh, in October, it's all about scouting and then setting up and hunting. 
when you get into November, I kind of got my game plan kind of figured out from the scouting that I've just done in my encounters. Okay. And then when I set up and think, okay, here's what's going to happen, but it's not or or it just isn't happening there yet. It's just a, uh, a judgment call uh, whether I move, uh, whether I, uh, you know, set and stay in that spot. Uh, during the rut, you know, any spot could be good. Uh, a spot that you would never hunt, uh, you know, never, ever hunt uh, any other time of year could be the best spot in the world during the rut. Uh, I know uh, our friend Andre DeQuisto wrote a uh, – or was interviewed – uh, probably, I don't know, it could have been 15 years ago or whatever, and uh, about hunting the rut, and it, the article's called The Circus Rider. And he talks about hunting multiple stands throughout the day during the rut, like getting back and hunting the edge of a food source in the morning, then moving back into bedding around 9 o'clock, then from around 11.30 to 1, hunting what they call these wacky sets, which were out in the open, uh, little fence lines between uh, two big sections of cover uh, and hunting that just in the middle of the day because, you know, in the middle of the day, people see these crazy bucks uh, anywhere and everywhere. And then in the evening, he gets back in and hunts in between a doe bedding area and a food source. So uh, he's moving around a lot. But he likes to, as I just stated, uh, to get up during the rut. And when it's stagnant and he's not seeing much action, he's not very patient. He goes in and he tries to poke around and tries to jump these deer. And when he jumps a group of deer and numerous bucks, he throws up a stand because he know he knows one of those does in that no bedding group in there is in heat, and those bucks are going to stick with her for a day or two. I feel like that's what we that first day we were back there and it was yeah, stagnant like that. We definitely needed to move. We should have got down, moved. Yeah, I was saying that's why I there. asked if you had a slow morning. Yeah. Yeah. Should you bank on the evening or being selfish asking there. questions over here? Yeah. <laughs> get in there and you know feel around. If yeah. I literally, if we would literally would have went into where Magnum went in, I be, deer would have went everywhere. You know, we yeah, yeah. got set up right here. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, I think that's a really solid tip. If if you're having a rough day, make a move. It's okay to come. Sometimes days are just slow. I mean, there is just absolute yeah. slow days. You know what I mean? And yes. But if it's the rut. I feel like there's deer moving somewhere. Yeah, they're moving somewhere. Absolutely, you know what I mean? absolutely. So yeah, they're they're not they're either bedded, they're still there. Yeah. So uh, you know, like, like like you mentioned earlier, a coyote could push them. Another a farmer, another hunter, especially if like you guys are on public land. Uh, public land, man, I tell you, in my opinion, around nine thirty to ten o'clock, it should be great because these people are heading out of the woods. Yeah, that's when we see a pickup. Deer. Of nine thirty, ten o'clock, we're like yeah. the last year we heard Where the hell that deer come. Yeah, from? we heard the most vocal two bucks I've ever heard. Yeah, we heard grunting, snort wheezing, fighting. It was awesome. It was like I thought someone was back ten there yards trying behind to, us, trying to call a buck in. You know what I mean? It was, it was, sure. and it was nine thirty, ten o'clock, bright. You know, bright daylight. They're out there fighting over a doe, and the doe come through. You know what I mean? And mm. Right when that doe came through, that's when Magnin said, oh, hey, here's yeah. a doe. I'm going to go check her out. He rolled right out of the <laughs> yeah. bedding area. We were waiting for her to come out of this bedding area. He only came like 200 yards on the other end yep. of it. But, yep. uh-huh. but we we went through October and, you know, all that pretty fast. I wanna, I got a couple pinpoints I wanted to pull out. Um, more questions for me, but, I mean, I know there's some <laughs> listeners that can gain some knowledge. So we're going in, you know, it's late October. And we are, we've, we've jumped a deer or we found where a buck is bedding. Okay. And yep. we got the wind 
for both morning and evening in this scenario. The wind's correct either way. What gotcha. would your be your your go to? Are you gonna try to beat that buck in there in the morning, or are you gonna try to get in between him and the the doe bedding or the food in the evening? What would be your go to there? So you're talking to you say the last week of October? Yeah, last week of October. You know, we found where Buck's bedded. You said you like mm-hmm. to get right on that bed. You know what I mean? Yes. And our, um, so, what would be your morning or evening? What would be your pick? So there's a lot of things goes into that. So if it's last week of October, let's say it's the let's say it's the 28th of October. Okay. So what is the 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 moon transit times? Is the moon overhead or underfoot close to the first couple hours of of daylight? That's my first. That's the first thing I do. I pull out my moon guide and I look at it. What is the moon going to be in this in this time frame, this day? If it's, if the transit time overhead or underfoot is within the first couple hours of daylight, then I'm diving into that bed, no doubt. I'm getting in there if I got the wind right. Also, if there's a weather front that particular day or that night, if, if, if there was a storm would come in that night after I've been in there scouting and the storm's supposed to clear out around 1 to 2 o'clock in the morning, well, then I'm still diving into that bed because that storm, for one, probably got them deer up early. They fed earlier. They're, then when the storm actually come in, they hug tight, they bed it, and then when that storm laid off and moved out around 1 to 2 o'clock in the morning, they're going to be up feeding a pretty, uh, you know, they're going to be up feeding a bunch. So that means it's probably a good chance those deer, especially that buck's going to be working his way back into that bed just a little later than normal. And that little later may only be five minutes. But I'm diving into that bed because I know that's where he's going to. Uh, if if it's not, if it's a completely other different scenario, if uh, if I found his bed, uh, the wind is going to be good for morning and evening, uh, but the transit time is let's say at at 11 o'clock in the morning and 11 o'clock at night. Well, and there's no front. It's been a stagnant weather period to where uh, let's say it's been. 60 degrees, 55 degrees for the last two or three days, and it's not supposed to change for another two two days. Well, then I'm probably going to hang back away from that bed, try to try to catch him coming, you know, 150 yards away from it or something, trying to catch him coming in there that way, because more than likely he's probably already in that bed before daylight or right in that vicinity. So I'm going to stay back and not put too much pressure on it. Or I may hunt another section of the farm if there's another good deer on it. But in the evening, that's when I'm going to jump in there. And I'm going to try to get as close as I can without bumping him, knowing where he's headed to, and try to cut him off and uh, and make that my hunt. I like that tactic because you're, you're at that time frame where you know this deer is here. So it's either kind of make it or break it. He might dip out in the rut. This is, you know, you're going in. Um, it's a risky set. But if you can get it done, you know, on the 28th before you know that he's going to leave, and you ain't even got to worry about the rut. You know what I mean? You, you know, you've yes. got your target buck down where you're worried about not only him leaving and you not being able to hunt him, but him leaving and, you know, some other hunter killing him. You know what I mean? So Yes, because because you know where he's at, but two days from now, two days from now, three days from now, you may not know where he's at. And he could be over on the neighbors getting shot by somebody that's never seen or heard from him in their first time out of the year uh, yep. during the rut. So you gotta you gotta get aggressive as you can and be smart about it and try to take him before that happens and that's exactly what I did last year. I knew where this buck was. He was in a, a you know it's pretty good sized woodlot, but I found where he was bedding 
uh, at least I suspected because of the size of the tracks and the size of the beds and the sign right there. And I went for it, but I had perfect weather conditions and stuff as well. I had the front that was moving through. I knew it would keep these deer out a little longer and they would be working their way back into the bed. So that's, that's what I did. And it worked out perfectly. Now, you know, you're going to fail at times. It's not going to work, but you can't sit back and be a lackadaisy and just say, well, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I don't want to pressure him because I don't want to blow him out. Well, uh, you know, you don't want to have the fear of failure. You want to, you want to be able to get in there and get it done when you need to. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. I reevaluate, uh, you know, okay, but I know he's going to be over here during the, you know, the first week of November or whatever, and then go from there. Uh, but don't, uh, I say take chances, but go in with confidence and try to kill this thing. Uh, don't just go in thinking, well, I'm just going to throw a hunt at him here and see if it works. Well, no, go in to kill him. And if it doesn't work, well, then, okay, that didn't work. And it could have, anything could have changed it. You know, he could have, uh, a coyote could have come through and busted him up. Uh, you know, a half an hour before daylight and it drove him over to this ridge or something or it pushed him a different way. You just don't know, especially in public. I mean, a, another hunter could have bumped him on the way in. Uh, but you got to either you're going to sit back and watch somebody else kill him or you need to get in there and kill him yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a hunt we just had here on <clears throat> Monday is we had a buck on cam at 933 in the morning coming into the bedding area hit a scrape went into the bedding area we're like okay we have to hunt we got a 50 50 shot he comes north and comes right to us or he goes south and we don't see him you know but to be able to go in there and have them odds in your favor that the deer's on cam at 9 30 you know he's bedded close so you go in there and risk it and if he He's going to be back in the rut. I happened to leave that stand about 9.15 or 8.15 <laughs> that morning. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah I I, uh, I snuck in to work a little late, um, and uh, I didn't. I should have just called in, I guess. You know, I made it work. <laughs> you were just saying, I, I don't want to go to work. Yeah, I, should, I, I was like, it was like 8.15. I had some pretty good, you know, I seen a couple small bucks, a couple does, and it was either that buck or one other buck we knew was probably going to be going into that dead bedding area. Right. And uh, I got out of there about 8.30, and he was at the scrape at 9.30. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. mobile cam hit me. I'm like, oh, perfect. But that's just yeah, the first mess up for the season. I got like 87 more to go. It's no big deal. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we we plan and prep, uh, you know, starting in the spring and get to all these places. You're, you know, you, you, you run all your farms. You, you scout all your farms figure out where things are going to happen and where what's going to, you know, different stand sites, different things like that. Then you think about it, plan, shoot your bow, get all your preparations done and stuff for season, go in and hang your cameras, do all this stuff. And you get a couple opportunities, but those opportunities can happen at any given time and at any given second. And me and my, you know, my friends that I've talked to a lot during the, during hunting season, we just keep telling each other, you know, your season could change in a second. And that second could be at 12.01 in the middle of the day, or it could be at 7.15 in the morning or at 5.14 at night. You just don't know when it's going to happen, and you got to be there to make it happen. I yeah. like that. Yeah. T- time and stand kills big bucks. That's just plain yes. and simple. You know, you got you to gotta have some skill, be where they're at, but – We've said that a hundred times on here, time and stand, you know, that's, that's what the people that get done every year are the people out there putting in time. So, so I want to yeah. jump into, 
first of November. Okay. So it's the first yep. of November. We're changing it up now. We know that this buck is going to be rutting. We know that there's hot does. He could be a mile away. He could be, you know, right 100 yards away. We don't know. So if you had past history w- during the first of November and you had trail camera data of him, um, say, November 3rd, you had trail camera data. He was on this ridge, okay? And uh, you got the, you know, you could hunt there. But on November 3rd, the year before, you actually seen him in a different spot around the time, same time. Are you going to go off the most recent data from the year before? Or are you going to, on the trail cam, or are you going to go off the actual visual visual of that deer? Because that's something we're talking about right now. We yep. have trail cam pictures of him in a certain area, and then we have visual of him a couple days later. And we know that he was on the trail cam just moments before daylight, but then he's a long ways away at one thirty or whatever that guy had that trail cam pick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So do you go off day. that one? Yeah, the same day. So do you go off that one thirty trail cam pick, or do you go off the sighting of seeing him in the morning? You know what I mean? When he's on a hot dough. When he's on a hot dough. So deciding he's on a hot dough, the other one's a trail cam pick. You don't know if he's with the dough. You don't know what's going on. Um, and you're, I mean, we're talking a pretty far distance of setup. So I would go, uh, myself, I would go off of in the general area where you got him that morning. That's my opinion. Cause he probably did hook up with a doe and it drug him. Gosh knows where. Okay. That's just my thought. That makes sense. Uh, but, but, but for, for instance, I'll tell you a good example that I, experience I had a few years ago. So, uh, is around so one year we got pictures of this great big buck on a scrape in this bottom area uh of, you know it's basically like a thermal hub or whatever down at the bottom of these ridges and where they make a scrape there every year uh, this buck was on that scrape on the 2nd of november didn't get him on the farm until then got him on the 2nd of november and then got him on like the uh 7th or 8th of november on that same scrape so Going, you know, fast forward to the next year. I had cameras all over this farm, put up in September, no sightings of this buck. All of a sudden, on October the 30th or 31st, can't really remember, this buck showed up on three cameras the same night. I'm convinced that this buck wasn't even on the farm until he showed up that day. He showed up. This is the farm he ruts on. This is where he, you know, he spends the majority of time during the rut with does. He showed up on that farm. He was on three different. I can't, you know, can't imagine from September, the beginning, middle of September till October 31st. Never had him on a single camera. But then October 30th or 31st, he was on three of them the same day. Jeez. Then, then uh, on the first, or it was on the second of November. He was on the same scrape within the, an hour of the year before. He was on that same scrape, and it's just like what. You know, it, it was amazing that that thing, the, a year later, he was almost within a, an hour of being on the same scrape the, uh, within a day's time period. So, you know, I was I was in the vicinity when that happened, but I was up on one of them ridges because I was worried about the wind down there in that bottom. And I ended up seeing him that morning, but never got an opportunity at it. But it just shows you, 
uh, how these bucks, you know, from a lot of them from year to year, uh, they like rutting in the same areas. And a lot of times they're in the same spot within a day of when they was the year before. Yeah, that's what we're seeing, man. And that's what we're, we're banking a lot on that right there this year. Um, we're dedicating a lot of our time where um, this giant that we're hunting um, was back. So the first picture we got of him going back there is the 29th. And then we got him the third. And then the second, another guy got him on trail cam. And we got the, he sent us the picture. And then we uh-huh. seen him the ninth, right? Um, the tenth. The tenth. We seen him the tenth. Yeah. Um, so he was back there a very long time. Yeah, he's back there over sure. a week. So you know, we never got him going out the way he came in. Um, I, you know, he might not have been in that same area, but there's a a ton of bucks in that area during that time frame. But anyways, we're banking a ton of our our time because he was daylight on the 29th and daylight on the second and daylight on the ninth and close to daylight on the third mm-hmm. so and, and, and that's just in your camera spots so, yeah that's just uh, in the camera spots yeah that's just mm-hmm. getting him on camera so that's not saying we're just covering a, a blip you know what yeah. i mean of where he's at sure. and uh sure. so that leads me into cameras or whatever. I, I love running cameras. Cameras is like Christmas when you go check the SD cards. Or if you have a uh, cellular phone, it's like Christmas when you wake up in the morning to check and see what's going on. <laughs> but cameras are just, like you said, a blip in time at one particular spot. Uh, and I get in the habit of going off of cameras. My good friend Justin Hollingsworth gets in the habit of going off of cameras. But I tell you what. There's nothing like sitting on stand and watching to see what happens. There's nothing like going out and scouting and poking around to see what's going on. Uh, I get caught up in these stinking cameras and it drives me nuts. I think, you know, I've got five cell cameras on this farm. The buck isn't there. He could be simply avoiding it. You know, uh, we had a buck, you know, a couple of years ago where we thought he vanished. Uh, he disappeared, you know, in December and January, never got any pictures of him. Went in uh, shed hunting, thinking this, thinking things gone, and we'll never, you know, he's just disappeared. Walk in, the first set of sheds we find is this buck. He was there the whole time, and he just simply avoided and wasn't going in front of our cameras. Now, whether it was uh, because of he noticed the cameras, because certain bucks pick up on them differently, or uh, he was just going a different travel route. You know, uh, I mean, it's uh, we've all put we all put so much faith and stuff in these cameras and man alive they, there could be the most action in the world going on 20 yards behind them things and you wouldn't even know it oh yeah he was in there hunting or scouting we uh we d- we did a little little <laughs> you know test this year where you know you got a hot scrape you're thinking okay if there's a buck in this area he's gonna hit this scrape you know and uh we run a cam where we could get very very good pictures on this scrape you know what I mean? Because if you get trail cam pictures, eventually you're like, man, I just want to get a really good picture of this deer <laughs> yeah. or a really good video. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. And, yep, I did. I've done that a lot. And then this year, we moved that cam 25 yards away. 20 yards, yeah. 20 yards to where we could catch the backside. The backside of that scrape. We are getting double the pictures that we were from it being directly on that scrape. 
we're still covering that scrape. But when that deer is way out there, you can tell what deer it is, but you ain't getting a good pick of him. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a long ways away. Sure. But you're still getting that. But they were backdoor in that scrape and just not even hitting it a so, lot. So we've been able to hunt this yeah. property for three years. And the first year we had this camera on this scrape because we could tell um, in the preseason scouting that there was going to be a scrape there. Hung the camera there, you know, August, let it just run out good activity in October. So the next year, um, we were thinking the same thing, you know, but the, the activity was just subpar to what we thought it was going to be. And then I went hunting out there November 1st last year. And like, I thought every deer had just, there was just no deer there, you know, it's small property, 40 acres, only six acres of timber, maybe, you know, I just didn't think that there was any deer on that were actually on the piece. And then you go out there and hunt. I seen eight deer in one evening sit and they all, they, they all missed the camera. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, just sure. doing that little, just going out there and just, you know, hunting and being observant. Like now this year we've moved that camera back, like Cody said, and it's totally changed the way that we're viewing that stand. We're like, we can go into that stand right now and we're going to see some deer, you know? Yeah. And, that was one of the that was the stand we hunted on Monday where we had a really good chance at a shooter buck that went in there at nine thirty in that morning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean oh. we had bucks edge of daylight. Edge of daylight in the evening. Yeah, two days. Yeah, you, know, you know, three times right there. So um just like you said, you can I feel like a lot of people they're not on cam, I'm not going. Like Yes. And I cams are awesome and I feel like, you know, if you can get if you can get the intel and you can have a lot of cams. It can literally change the way you hunt. And cell cams take that to another level where it immediately can change the way you hunt. And we we got yeah. we run six cell cams. I mean, and uh-huh. it, like you said, literally the first thing I do every morning is I look at that. I wake up, roll over, <laughs> take my phone off the charger, and I look at that and see what happened. And mostly coons. I got a lot of coons on cam, man. I gotta yeah. I gotta thin them out a little bit. But other, you know, um. But that's the first thing you do, you know what I mean? And we hunt it just like that. If that if that cam is twenty yards forward, oh, nothing hit, nothing came through there last night. Nothing hit that scrape. Move that cam twenty yards back, so we were catching both of those trails. Oh, you know, you know, chaos was there. He didn't hit the scrape, but he was fifteen minutes from daylight. You know, sure. I got a cold well, front. Maybe I should get in there. So it's hard to. It's hard to not believe the cams, and it's hard to risk a set. That's why this year we're taking the scouting approach, and we're not going in saying we're going to hunt this stand, and this is what we're going to do. We're going in. Okay, how's it looking? Any sign? What do we got going on? What's the trail cam showing? We're we're not putting all the dice in on trail cams. We're looking at past history, what's going on right now, and trail cams just like icing on the cake to say yes. this is where I need to go. Yeah, and yeah. we're not and, just tiptoeing around waiting for something to be blatant. We're going in there trying to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. You know, like you was talking about trail cams, you guys learned a valuable lesson there, you know, uh, putting them right on top of the scraper, backing them back off, and look how it's changed that spot in the view of a camera. Uh, you know, I hunt in Ohio. Uh, that's where I live uh, mainly, but then I uh, hunt in Illinois too, and then uh, – uh, I go to Iowa whenever I get a tag, but every four years. But so running trail cameras in those 
you know, let's compare Ohio to Illinois is completely different. I can go in in Ohio and let's say find a hub scrape, a scrape that a lot of the deer go to. It, it occurs in the same spot every year or whatever and put a trail camera up on it and, uh, and you know, get the majority of the bucks on the property usually. And Illinois, uh, Illinois, that's, that's what I do. I, I put them on hub scrapes and, uh, uh, you know, that's where I try to get all the bucks. But I, I, all I want is a picture of that buck on that farm. And other than that, I, I don't rely on that camera saying, okay, well, I haven't got a picture of him in two weeks, so he's not there. I mean, that's just, I don't go in there with that mindset because uh, as long as I've got one picture of him on that scrape or in that area, then I'm good because I know he's on the farm. In Ohio, it's different. In Ohio, you're allowed to bait. So uh, a lot of my cameras, what I'll do is I'll go into an area and I'm trying to find a particular buck or whatever. Well, I'll sprinkle out bait on the ground and hang a camera. So any buck within a couple hundred yards of that area coming through there, more than likely he's going to come over and hit that bait. And I'm going to get a picture of him and then know that he's on that farm. So it's a lot easier in Ohio to use cameras to your advantage for locating bucks than it is, let's say, in my opinion, in Illinois. Because, uh, I mean, you know, just putting a camera on a trail, you can put that camera on that trail and he can sit there two weeks and you can never get a picture of that buck. And then go in and hunt that particular area and see the buck the first time. So, you know, it's hard. You can't rely on cameras to uh, for hunting. Uh, you know, in my opinion, in in a state that doesn't allow you for baiting, uh, you can put them on rubs, you can put them on scrapes, you can put them on travel corridors. But uh, just you know, get that get a picture of that buck that you're wanting to go after and know that he's on the farm, and then hunt the farm by scouting. Uh, hunting funnels, uh, moving around, being mobile, uh, you know, hunting different weather conditions and moon uh, transit times, and and go for it. Uh, just don't sit back and think, well, I'm not going to hunt because I haven't got him on trail camera for two weeks. Yeah, that's something we we have a a Snapchat group, and you know, the people that uh, you know heavy bait in, in the area, they got so many trail cam pictures of deer and. I'm not saying it makes it easier to kill, but it definitely makes it easier to get pictures. And just having that picture can piece so much together for you. So if you're in a state that allows you to bait and you can get a picture of that deer, that is something that we can't do. And it, there's guys who have pictures every day. You know that buck is on there. Yeah. You're getting pictures of them every day. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Yep, I do, a buck I chaos, a buck we got to call chaos, we'll get him two days and then we won't get a picture of him for a month and then he's back for yeah. two days you're like is this uh -huh. deer leaving for 28 days and coming back or is he just avoiding this area and barely hitting this cam it's literally the one of the hardest deers i ever hunted to like yeah, there's that's... no pattern no wind pattern <laughs> no no sequence to anything when he shows up this year's been more sketched than anything random he's just like he was there once in velvet, gone for a month and a half, back hard horn for one day, fighting a buck, then there two days fighting a buck, then gone for a week. You're like, what is going on? <laughs> like, I, I I, don't know, but I guarantee if I had a bait pile there and it was in his area, he'd come over and grab a snack. I'd be like, all right, chaos is there. Yeah. It would, I don't know. Like, I can, okay. I'm not saying I can kill him over that bait, but I know he's there. You know what I mean? That's just huge. Hugely would up our game a lot to be able to be like, okay. We know he's on the property. He came from this general direction from to the bait. 
Let's make a game plan. Instead of like, hey, is he going to yeah. walk within 50 feet yeah, of this camera by chance, yeah. you know? Well, like I said, Ohio has uh, where baiting's illegal, and I don't have anything against people baiting because I put out bait uh, just as much as anyone. I run cameras over it. It is a great way to locate bucks, and it's a great way to kill bucks. But, uh, you know, it takes a lot of a lot of the skill out of it, in my opinion, as well, because uh, there's a lot of people going out and dumping a 50-pound bag of corn and hanging up a camera and then two weeks shooting a giant deer and not even knowing anything else about it. I mean, that's, it happens a lot. But then there are other times you can go in and, uh, you know, you can put out bait or whatever, and you're still not going to kill that buck over it. I don't care what you do. Yeah. Uh, but you're going to get pictures of him. He's going to be there probably after dark. It depends on what his experiences are for the past few years growing up. Maybe he had some bad experiences on bait. But I know if I'm getting pictures of that buck at 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning, and then, you know, I got to, let's say, another, I know where he's bedding at, all I got to do is find his route in between, and I can do that by poking around and scouting a little bit and making a couple sets, and I can kill that deer. It's the same way when he come in like an hour after dark. Well, where's the bedding spot at? Well, you know where he's headed. He's coming to that bait. Yeah, it's got to be close. In between. Yeah. Yeah, you get in between. You know it's happening. You know he's coming there every day. And I can tell you with this bait, uh, if people want to learn some stuff about how weather and moon affects deer movement, Put up a cell camera on bait where it's legal, and you can see that happen. I mean, you can tell, okay, yeah, the storm's coming in tonight or whatever. It's clearing out in the morning. It's like clockwork. These cameras light up, you know, early in the day. If the storm's coming in the evening, it's kind of hard to predict predict when it's going to happen. But after that storm passes that night, the next morning, that camera is on fire. In the same way with the overhead and underfoot transit times on the moon, if it's within an hour or two of the morning, you'll have that thing on. You'll have that thing a lot of times in daylight in the morning when you've never had him in daylight, or in daylight in the evening when you've never had him in the in daylight in the evening. I mean, these the weather and the moon affects these deer movement more than anything in the world. And then again, if you want to even let's say you got a stagnant weather period or whatever, if you want to get these deer moving earlier move them if you get get in there and jump a few deer or whatever i guess it's, you know uh get the deer moving if they get up okay for instance let's say you got a stagnant weather period and just out of the blue uh, this buck shows up on on the bait side or to scrape uh you know let's say it's in october it's not during the rut or whatever he just shows up I've never been in there before in daylight but he shows up 15 20 minutes before dark one day well, why did that happen well, probably it's because a coyote pushed him out of his bed or another hunter got him up and moving. So what did he do? He just started this circuit. He started doing what he does, and it's just earlier. But weather does that as well as transit times with the moon. I mean, it gets them moving earlier. We can't bait, but I'm always like, <laughs> if I had a buck 20 minutes from daylight on my bait, i just move my bait. 250 yards away. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would at least try that sure. one time. I'm going to move this bait 250 yards away. I'm going to hunt where my bait used to be for a week. He knows us there. I know I can get here and hunt because I've been getting here and hunting right. for a week and a half trying to kill him on this bait. He's 20 minutes out. I'm going to move my bait 200 yards, and I'm going to come in where I hunt where the bait was. You know what I mean? Yep. That, that's what I, I would try. I, I have never hunted over bait. I know nothing about yep. it. We can't do it here in Illinois. I have nothing against it. If you can do it, 
do mm-hmm. it. Try to kill this damn deer. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's what I would do. I'd be like, I can't kill this deer. I'm going to move this bait over here. <laughs> I'm going to set in between him. It's, it's, you know. I love it. It's hard well, to move I a cornfield. It's hard to move a <laughs> cornfield. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but let, me, let me tell you one thing, though. If I grew up not hunting with bait, didn't hunt bait, hunting cornfields and stuff. In Illinois, you can't hunt bait. You're, learn, you're, you're honing your skills more by not hunting bait. A lot of these hunters, you know, nowadays in Ohio or whatever, they're bait hunters. They, if, if the deer aren't coming to that bait, they don't have a clue, a lot of them, not all of them, they don't have a clue what to do. They, they did not hone their hunting skills by scouting, looking for signs, you know, hunting, finding bedding areas, hunting travel corridors. They just hunt bait. And they don't know anything else. So let's say there's a big acorn crop or whatever. I mean, if they ain't, if, if they can't get the, the deer to come into their corn pile in the middle of that acorn flat, they're screwed. Yeah, so, acorns are king like, over everything. I don't. Yeah, so we see that like huge here. Sure, like me. I mean, I hunted. You know, I grew up hunting with no bait, and and it, you just had to hunt, like you guys are saying. But then when I travel and go places to where they're, you're not allowed to bait. Well, I have the skills to still get it done because I don't concentrate on bait. I, I, I like, you know, I like putting out bait to get pictures because I'm confident that if I got a bait pile in this woodlot or this section of timber, I'm, I know what's in there because they're coming to that bait. Not that I can kill them over it, but I know it's there and I know when he's there. And then I just got to figure out my strategy from there. Yeah. I can see that being huge, you know, a huge key to helping. So. All right, we're we're about an hour here, so I want to ask you one last question, and uh, it would be: This is a scenario. You got your target buck. You know he's in the area still in the rut. You don't know exactly where he's at though. So, what would your be your go to? You got the wind for everything. You know, you got a cold front. Are you going? Are you going to the food edge of the food source? Are you going to a pinch point, or are you going downwind of doe bedding? And that would be all-day hunt or just a morning hunt or an evening? Uh, uh, let's go morning, and then we'll go evening. Okay. So I would do what I talked about earlier. I would hunt, uh, you know, till midday, 1 o'clock, back in the doe bedding area, or in between two doe bedding areas if I could. And that's a doe bedding area that I can get into without blowing everything out of course. And then I would, uh, I would climb down and I would, you know, loop around, slip around and get in front of them. Not saying I'd hunt the edge of the the feeding source, but I would be kind of in their staging area and doe travel routes from the bedding to that food source, but back in the woods far enough in a highly pressured area to where I would still catch that evening movement. Yeah, that seems like the perfect way to do it. Catch morning, going into bedding, potentially drag a buck in there. On a doe, you know, coming out to food, potentially drag them out, leaving. Um, we just had a, we just, uh, my first set of the year, it was October 2nd, what, Naomi? For what? The, my first set was the yes, second. Second, yeah. Yeah, um, we had five does come right out of the bedding, right in front of our stand. And I was like, just do that for another month. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, that was mint. Yeah. Just do exactly what you did <laughs> for another month. I'll have a shooter right there, 25 yards. You know what I mean? So um, I love it when that works together. People are like, man, I just got does on my cam. I'm like, are they consistent does? 
like our one of our private pieces. Seven thirty, uh-huh. I put you in a tree. You could kill a doe. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're there every day on the mobile cam. Seven thirty, seven thirty, seven thirty, seven thirty-five. Seven. So I know my butt during the rut. Someday it's got a pretty good chance of having one of those bucks because there's a lot of does going in this area around that area at seven thirty. You know what I mean? So sure. So pattern those like you said. The bucks want to be with the does. It seems simple. There's a lot of people throwing a lot of random weird tactics out, but if you break down everything, hunt the does. It's completely yes, different absolutely. than any other time of the year. You're you're going in and you want to kill a doe, but in actuality you want to kill a buck. But you need to hunt like you want to kill a doe. You know what I mean? Yes, and, absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. And you know, if you do start hunting a doe bedding area and they start picking on to or you know picking up on you. Well then, just you got to move. You yeah. can't just hang out in that one spot. You you're you're hunting the does, so you want them to come through on their normal travel routes. I have spots that I get into where I do not get picked off. I have other spots that I get into, and I go in a little deep, so I get one or two good hunts in there, and then I gotta I gotta go elsewhere. So we're we're noticing that we got to get higher on the public land than we do the private land. We had. Eight like two year old eight <laughs> points at three yards and we're fifteen foot off the ground. Two guys in a tree, no clue. You do that on the private with a doe, absolutely no go. You got to be twenty or twenty five. You got to be way up there because these deer, they're coming around the corner and it might be because there's only like two trees in the area you hunt and they're like potential <laughs> hunter, you have potential hunter in this tree right here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But uh, they look right up there, and then they just nail us. Absolutely nail yeah. us. They're like a different breed of animal. It's insane. And then you go uh, on the private, doe just go eating a bush right in front of you. You're like, what is going on? Yeah. Well, the two of the farms I hunt in Illinois, one of them is uh, along the river bottom or whatever, and it's just farm country. And you can get away with murder in there. You go to this other farm, and it's kind of a suburb farm or whatever, those things are the most leery does I've ever been around in my life. I mean, at times when I go there and hunt, if I get by with, if I don't get picked, if I have, you know, four or five does come by me and don't get picked, it's been a great hunt. Yeah, that's the way and we I feel. I, I don't understand that. I don't know either. They're only 10 miles apart and they're completely different. I mean, they act like there's mountain lions hanging out in them trees. Yeah, and that's exactly how these, pressure. they come out, they're they're doing that head bob all the time. They'd be looking away from us. And we're like, there's no way that they're doing their head bobbing, stomp, like doing the stomp. <laughs> I'm like, you ain't winning us. You're They're looking away from us. What are you doing? <laughs> and I think a lot of it is, is it's like overgrown pasture stuff. They can't see a lot. Uh-huh. So they hear something yep. and then they want to get it to move or something. You know what I mean? Yes, so they're doing gotcha. that stomp and trying to get it. But if we go through a hunt a whole day and don't get blown at, <laughs> it's been a freaking fabulous. We day. didn't see any deer. Yeah, <laughs> no, these there is one doe. And if it wasn't so far back in there, I would kill that doe. Yeah, yeah. But if she comes out and she's got a one yearling and it's a little one, we know. And if she comes out, yeah. you're like, we're getting blown out. <laughs> so you better you know, not blink uh, or this doe's time. got you every time. So. Once they pick you off in a tree, uh, you're 
you just got to deal with it or you got to move. That's the because, dough that the uh, giant was on. Yeah. <laughs> that Magnum was on. She blew 24 times and then we seen a 170 oh inch plus yeah. here. <laughs> oh, she was 80 yards away and it's pitch black out. And then Behind she, the knoll. Yeah, she blows and it scares the crap out of you, you know, because it's so quiet. <laughs> and then if people were like, oh, the deer blew, I'm not going to see anything. That's false. <laughs> yeah. They're in the rut. She blew. Yeah. 20 plus times loud. And then I told homie, there's a shooter coming. <laughs> he was probably like, dude, stop messing with yeah. me, man. Yeah. But well, I was like, the first deer that comes out is an 85 inch buck. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Homie <laughs> hangs his bow back up. I'm like, no, there's a 170 coming, man. I seen him. <laughs> but, but yeah, just I, blowing, I, man. I can, I can say this during the rut, if I do get busted by a deer, used to or used to i would throw in the towel for that hunt not anymore because that doe could be blowing and get out of there and leave and it doesn't matter because that buck could be coming over the ridge he's moving anyways so i hang yeah tight. i think that uh, doe I, drawed that buck in i think that doe sure. blowing he was like oh there's a doe over there i know exactly where she's at we, we've also had people come on here and say to blow back at the deer yeah like if you think your hunt's blown, really? why not blow back at the deer yeah we, yeah, I've I've never done that before except getting out of a stand in the evening trying to clear a food plot. I have done that, but yeah, I, I, a, a guy I hunted with uh, several years ago, uh, and I know of, he killed a giant 180 plus deer uh, buck, and he went into an area and blew deer everywhere. He said they had to snort multiple deer snorted numerous times. He said he scattered them everywhere at daylight. He got settled in a stand, sitting there contemplating, I just got to get out of here. He said, I blew every deer in the county out. About 8.30, this 180-some-inch buck comes strolling through, didn't have a clue in the world, and he shot at like 15 yards. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's what happened to us. We, we were sitting there. We just packed in, held afar, hung stands. Everything was perfect. And then this doe blows 30 times. We're like, then we had the best hunt of the year. You know what I mean? <laughs> All day. Sure. All day sure. action. All you know day. what I mean? So even if that doe's blowing... So. You're going to spook deer at times, but just don't spook the deer you're trying to kill. Yeah, yeah, so, that was key. <laughs> and if he's, if he's two ridges over or doesn't have a clue, I mean, does blow at squirrels. They blow at, I mean, who knows what? They they do all kinds of crazy things in the woods. So that buck doesn't know if it's blowing at a person or a squirrel, a coyote. They don't have a clue. But, you know, if, unless he gets a nosewind of something, he doesn't have a clue. And, and during the rut, they're looking for does. So if they hear a doe snorting, there's a possibility they're coming over there to investigate herself or just check her out. Yeah, I don't think she knew what the hell she was blowing at because, I mean, we had the absolute perfect wind to be, I mean, it was hitting me right in the face and I was hunting, you know. We walked through a ridge and I think someone poured a five-gallon <laughs> bucket of dopey out. Yeah. I was choking up walking through it. Was it was absolutely horrible. And she was right in that area downwind of where that dopey was. I was like, She's yep. probably smelling that and was like, whoa, something super hot over here. <laughs> <laughs> Some lesbian over here. <laughs> I got to get this dough away from me. She's super hot. But, but, well, Heath, we don't want to take up any more of your Friday night, man. We appreciate you coming on. I think this was an absolute awesome episode. A um, lot of good okay. content. And every time you come on, you you bring the fire, man. So we appreciate you coming on again. Well, thanks. I, I hope that some of our discussions somebody can pick up on and uh, it helps out. Uh, it, it helps somebody out. You know, these are from my past experiences, my opinions. It's only my opinion. It's what I do. You don't have to take it to heart, but hopefully you can get something out of it. All right, guys. 
The rut is pretty much here. It's go time. You got your target buck. The rut's here. You always hear the guy say, can't get it down the rut. Well, Heath Cisco just told you how to do it. Get it done. It is possible. Don't give up. You can do this. Put the work in. Put the time in stand. Right now, we've been talking about this. If you've been listening to us all year, we've been talking about this moment all year. The amount of enthusiasm in the studio right now. If you were here, you couldn't even get the door. It would punch you right when you walked in. <laughs> After listening to Heat Talk, there's an enthusiast bodyguard be like, what's your level right now? If it ain't 9 out of 10, you cannot get in this. <laughs> Bro, if that 9 pointer was pointed the other way, I'd be like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. 9 pointer, you killed on October 5th. <laughs> yeah. Get out there. Always do the right thing. Hunt your freaking ass off. Leave a legacy, and White Till Legacy is out.